Welcome to the Rent to Rent Success Podcast, the only podcast entirely dedicated to helping you achieve rent to rent success. We talk about the ethical way to get you started in property without buying it. This is our place to inspire each other to believe bigger, to be bolder, and to be game changers for good. Property investors and sisters Stephanie and Nikki Taylor are your guides on this exciting ride. Let's start up the engines and get ready to fly. Hello, hello, hello. It's Stephanie here. Welcome aboard episode 106 of the Rent to Rent Success podcast. Today's episode, we're continuing our series of three episodes showcasing the Rent to Rent Success audiobook. It's so exciting that it's become the best Rent to Rent book on Audible in terms of the rankings, the ratings, and the reviews. And in today's episode, I'm going to play chapter one of the book, which is all about Nikki's story and how this whole thing got started. And then next week, it'll be the last in the series where you can listen to chapter two, which is my story. And if all this whets your appetite and you'd like to listen to the whole audiobook from start to finish, you can listen to it on Audible for free with a free Audible membership. Now, this is for people who are not currently Audible members. And you can go to renttorentsuccess.com slash Audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E. And if you're already on Audible, you can listen using your Audible credits. So Nikki and I were thinking of getting a narrator to do it for us, but in the end, we decided to narrate the book ourselves. It was a labor of love. We enjoyed doing it. And I hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoyed writing and then recording. See you on the other side. Chapter one, I was living to work, not working to live. So many of us strive for career success and find that it's not what we expected. On one level, success is great, with a well-paid role, status at work, and in your family and community. Often, the problem is that you're earning money you don't have time to enjoy, and the other things that are important to you become relegated to a someday that never happens. Worse still, the people most important to you, your partner, your children, your wider family, and your friends, only get what's left of you after work has taken its more than full-time bite. It's normal to rely entirely on one source of income. It's what most people do. It's seen as safe. When you get a new job, your friends and family will celebrate with you. When you start a new business, many of your friends and family will warn you about the risks you are taking. In many of us, the need to maintain the status quo of a nine-to-five job is blended with a potent mix of fear, hesitation, and imposter syndrome, stopping us from getting started and keeping us stuck. Even though you are very talented, you too might not be able to see the potential within you. And that is certainly true of Nikki, my talented sister. I'm so proud of her and what she's achieved in her career. We both started off from the same humble beginnings, and Nikki really took off. Yet, as you'll learn, 
she was still hampered by imposter syndrome. Nikki and I created this book together. You'll see as you learn more about us and read our success system that it's a blend of our talents. I'm Stephanie and I'm usually in front of the camera, while Nikki is behind the scenes making sure everything happens as it should. We are narrating this book together. This book is a gift from both of us. Nikki hasn't often told her story publicly, and I feel proud to be able to share it with you here. It's one you may be able to relate to. The experience of giving your all to your career and leaving the field of play feeling bruised, battered, exhausted and underappreciated. Nikki will tell her story in her own words. I'm Nikki and this is my story. I left school at 16 to study chemistry and accountancy at college. All my friends had plans, careers that they had dreamt about for as long as they could remember and I had, well, nothing. I didn't know what I wanted to do, so my hastily made plan was to go to college, then uni, then become an officer in the British Army. Why an officer in the British Army? Because Dad had been a staff sergeant in the Royal Corps of Signals. Indeed, I was born at RAF Wiegberg Hospital in Germany. And why accountancy? Because that's what Dad did when he left the army. But within three months, I dropped out of college. I really didn't enjoy my time there because I was at college in the absence of a plan that inspired me. There wasn't enough incentive to keep going. It was 1989, and soon after I dropped out of college, I started a government youth training scheme as an administrator. I was earning £30 per week, which wasn't very much even back then. Once the scheme ended, I quickly found a role at a local bakery as an accounts assistant. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, I set to work in the only way I've ever known how to do, very hard and very diligently. When I was taken on, the managing director promised me a bonus if I met all my targets. I exceeded them, blew them out of the water. I took great pride in being the best that I could be at work, learning and delivering far beyond what would have been expected for someone in my very junior role. Somehow, I found the courage to ask for the promised bonus but it was clear from the reply that my boss had never intended to make good on his promise. That was a painful realisation for me. No matter how hard I worked, there was no guarantee I would be fairly rewarded. What hurt more was being let down by people I admired and trusted. Eventually, I left the bakery and went on to work for other companies. As I looked around me at work, I became scared. What I noticed was that the people were unhappy in their roles, yet they stayed in them forever, sticking with their routines, and that was their existence, forever and ever, amen. Being in that environment drains you. It takes your energy. It takes your skills away. With that new realisation, I also became aware that if I wasn't careful, my whole life would just be as it was in that moment. And that's when I decided I needed to move on. I pondered what I could do. I decided to leave Birmingham and move to London where one of our aunts lived. And that's when my career began to fly, going from the backwaters of Birmingham to the cut and thrust of banking administration in London between 1998 and 2014. My 16 years in banking were both incredibly rewarding and soul-destroying. 
Here I can just touch on the surface of these experiences and share a few of the lessons and learnings that eventually brought me to property. My diligence, commitment and willingness to put in 15-hour days as the norm, even when no one was watching, meant that in every contract role I took, I was offered a permanent position or the contract was extended and extended. I rose quickly through the ranks, from assistant payroll coordinator to assistant manager of payroll, to assistant vice president, payroll manager, to vice president, HR administration manager, to head of HR, to HR operations and recruitment manager, to global HR business manager, HR director. Throughout my early career, I often felt I might have been viewed as less than because I didn't choose to do a degree. So if you also feel you're not good enough because you don't have a degree, I hope this will encourage you. After coaching hundreds of people, I have yet to meet someone who doesn't have self-doubt, no matter their educational status or achievements. It's made me realise that if I didn't have a lack of a degree to worry about, I'm sure I'd have found something else. Working for the big four investment banks, I was recognised as a rising star many times. My life outside of work, though, mainly involved sleeping and recovering from work. I led large teams. In fact, I had been responsible for all HR administration for over 11,000 employees. As you can imagine, this was stressful. It was life-limiting. But the most painful part was going from being on top talent and rising star programmes to being made redundant, which happened three times over a 16-year period. Typically, I would over-deliver beyond all targets set for me have an incredible relationship with my team and management. Then a new manager would come in, perhaps wanting to bring their own teams in, restructure the department and make my role redundant. Even though it is the role that's made redundant rather than the person, it feels intensely personal, especially when you're putting your heart and soul into your work. Perhaps you can relate to this, feeling you're contributing something important to the company, feeling you're supporting a team that also supports you. Helping your company, which reciprocates in salary and in support to you, only to find that the rug can be pulled out from under you at any moment and your loyalty was misplaced. The first time I was made redundant, it was absolutely devastating for me. It knocked me for six. Afterwards, I had a career break because I just couldn't function. I was in shock. I'd given everything. I'd achieved exceptional results in the role generated multi-million pound savings for the bank. I'd been highlighted by managers as a top performer, was part of a talent programme, was achieving beyond my targets in every review. But they could just kick me to the curb whenever they wanted to, whenever my face didn't suit or I didn't fit the new structure. It was the third of these instances that made me take stock of my life. Even when life was good at the bank, it was bad. I'd leave home at 8am to catch the train and tube to Canary Wharf and take the last train home after midnight. And this was my daily routine rather than the exception to the rule. I was working hard, but I was sacrificing my life, putting in very long days for a fancy title, director, vice president, global head of this or that, earning a good salary but feeling frustrated and uninspired realising I was living to work and not working to live. 
that's fine when you're passionate about your role. And I could see I was delivering tremendous value for my bosses and my employer. But it became extremely unsatisfying and frustrating for me. I felt tied to it. I felt like it wasn't a choice. It had just become my normal. And being made redundant was a huge blow. Again, I knew it was time for more life in my life. After 16 years in these hugely stressful large financial services firms, I'd had enough and decided to take a very different path. The role I secured was Director of Business and Operations at a new school. I thought a role in education would be perfect. Although it would mean a drop of over 60% in my salary, I thought it would be a good fit for me for three reasons. One, I had so many transferable skills. Two, it would allow me to give back to my community, which was a huge driver at that point. I'd be moving away from shuffling numbers and reports and going to meetings to make the bank richer and into a role that would really make a difference. I would be part of an ethical organisation and help invest in our children, in our community, in our future. And three, very importantly, it would give me a better life. After all, schools aren't open 15 plus hours a day. They close at 3.30pm. And as if life couldn't possibly get any better, they close for six weeks in the summer. Later, when I talked to some of my new friends in the education sector, they hooted with laughter when I explained how I thought education equaled work-life balance and six weeks holiday. My transition from banking to education can be characterised by three words. Frying, pan, fire. Just as 2020 brought for many a newfound or deepened respect and appreciation for our NHS, 2014 to 2016 opened my eyes to our amazing education sector. Schools are political pawns, always having to jump to the latest ill-conceived idea thrust upon them by the government, with no extra money and diminishing year-on-year budgets. And schools are expected to be so much more than just providers of education. They have to wear so many hats. Parents, police, social workers, doctors. And they have to do it all in the public eye whilst taking care of their own mental health and well-being for comparably very low salaries. As Director of Business and Operations in the school, I was responsible for everything that was not teaching related. So that would be all the financials, HR and payroll, fundraising, procurement, facilities management, cleaning, catering, safety and security. You get the picture. I was even required to be a cleaner when there were uh, any mishaps in the school, as our cleaners didn't arrive until the end of the school day. Let's just say that those cleaning jobs were often unpleasant. My days grew longer as the school senior leadership team took it in turn to arrive to open the school at 7.30am to welcome the children. It's a progressive school with longer opening hours to help working parents. After two years, during which my working days crept up to 17 hours, including most weekends and working through school holidays, I was exhausted. But the school was in a fantastic position, with new policies and procedures and fully trained staff, so it was ready to go. I knew for my own well-being and sanity, I needed to move on. This period is summed up by the fact that after a year of being repeatedly told there were no funds for additional staff to support me, when I left the role, 
I was replaced by three members of staff. I decided to take time for myself, go on holiday, take stock and think about what I wanted for my next chapter. So I flew to Jamaica for three months on my own. I realised that although I'd done well in my career, it had happened to me. I hadn't chosen what I'd wanted for my life. In many ways, it felt as though I'd given so much of my life away. I pondered which direction to go in next. I thought it might involve property as my own home had gone up so much in value following a refurbishment. Whilst I was away, Stephanie encouraged me to read the famous book Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Not being an avid reader, or frankly a reader at all, this was bottom of my list of things to do in Jamaica. But one day, in the absence of a better plan, I reluctantly decided to purchase the audio version of the book and press play as I relaxed on the beach. Six hours later, I had a new clarity, a new focus and a new vision. I felt excited by the possibilities and the opportunities that now started to sharpen and come into focus. I definitely wanted to do something in property and definitely wanted to be my own boss. It was time for my work ethic to drive and realise my own dreams rather than my employer's. You can see a photo of me enjoying Helsha Beach, Portmore, Jamaica from the print book in your Rockstar Essentials at renttorentsuccess.com slash essentials. When I returned from Jamaica to the not-so-sunny Beckenham, Kent, I was still excited. But by then, the reality of not having a job or a regular income was also starting to hit home. My toddler brain went into overdrive and started screaming, what are you doing? Get a bleep bleep job. How are you going to pay your mortgage? You're not good enough to run your own business. You can't make enough money to cover all your bills and outgoings and mortgage. What are you thinking? I started to do what I've done so many times before with so many other ideas. Slowly but surely, I realised I was scared. Scared of not showing up for myself. Scared of not being good enough. Scared I wouldn't be able to do what needed to be done. When I was in Jamaica, listening to a book on the beach in the sun, it was easy and so clear. I thought, yes, I can do this. Back on my own at home in Grey Beckenham, with bills on the table, I found it harder to work out the how. Even something as simple as having a lodger and turning my own home into an asset I resisted for a long time. My mind and my thinking just weren't in the right place. But it was as though the stars had aligned, because it was at that point when I arrived back from Jamaica that Stephanie and I chatted in my kitchen, and what we discussed has made the last few years so different from the previous decades. Looking back, what shocks me is that in spite of managing multi-million pound budgets and overseeing operations for thousands of employees, I wouldn't have had the confidence to start in business on my own. There I was, competent and hardworking, delivering first-class results for every company I worked for, saving them millions, yet still, I was questioning my abilities. I had the spark of an idea that I wanted more, and like so many of us, I massively underestimated my ability to do it. I had the spark. You're listening to this book because you have the spark too. You're part of the 5%. You want more for your life. You want to live life on your terms. 
You don't want the sort of safety that sucks the life out of your soul, that drains your health and makes you wonder, what if? What if you had a way out that was tried and tested? What if you could get started with little money? What if you could minimise risk by doing it on the side of work to begin with? That's what this book is about. The ethical system to create a new future for yourself in property. Working nine to five is not always the safe option. And for many of us, it's not the easy option either. With longer hours, high stress and negative health consequences, both physically and mentally. Stephanie's story is very different from mine, and yours may be too. In the next chapter, we discuss how we came together. Ah, Nikki's story. It's one of my favourite parts of the book. I find it mind-blowing that someone as talented as Nikki had so much doubt about starting a business. I hope you enjoyed it too. If you'd like to listen to more, you can listen to the whole audiobook free on Audible if you're not already a member. And that's at renttorentsuccess.com slash Audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E. And if you're already on Audible, you can listen using your Audible credits. So next week here on the podcast, I'll be playing chapter two, which is my story, a story of many twists and turns. Next week is the last in this series featuring the audio book. So I will see you then. Until next week, have a great rest of the week. And remember, believe bigger, be bolder, be a game changer. I'll see you soon. Bye for now. Thank you so much for being with me here today. If you would like more, we've written the number one best-selling book on Rent to Rent. You can find it at renttorentsuccess.com slash book. Reviewers on Amazon have described it as the best Rent to Rent HMO book and also as a definitive reference guide and inspirational. Take your next step today and buy the book. You can find it at rent2rentsuccess.com slash book. And I'll see you again next time. Until then, remember, believe bigger, be bolder, be a game changer.